This is the eLearning Alchemist podcast. Welcome to the eLearning Alchemist podcast. I am your host, Clint Clarkson, and in this episode, we'll talk about millennials, but not really. More so, we'll be talking about how the world and L&D in particular reacted to the millennials as they began entering the workforce in the early 2000s. My goal today is to extrapolate any lessons we might draw from the millennials case study because L&D, like most of the planet, got caught up in a trend that sort of makes sense intuitively, but that just wasn't a real thing beyond what we made it. It feels now, like happens to most things, that the tide has turned on the millennial bashing. It may have just run its course, or maybe we saw the mistake and learned our lesson from it, or, and here's the dangerous part, maybe millennials being the most prevalent generation in the workforce has something to do with it, and we didn't really learn a damn thing, which is scary, because here come the Gen Zs. I hope they're ready for us. I was actually pretty apprehensive about using the word millennials in the title of this podcast, but I hope the phrasing didn't turn anyone off, because it's really the right way to describe this episode. So to kick things off, I want to go way back, all the way to November of 2016, when I released a blog called Why Won't Millennials Just Die? And to be clear, the word millennials is in quotation marks because it's not the people, but the word and the obsession with it that I was talking about. When I wrote this blog, I had just returned from two conferences and was entirely frustrated by the number of sessions that either had millennials in their title or description, or if absent there, in their actual presentation. I made it a rule after day one of the first conference that any time a presenter used the word millennials that I was leaving for another session. At one time, I made it to four sessions in under 20 minutes. That's ridiculous. We reached a fever pitch for millennials in November of 2016, before search references for the term tailed off rapidly into 2017. I can only assume that my blog had a lot to do with that, so I'll put a link in the podcast description. But in all seriousness, what the heck happened? How did we get to a place where millennials were considered such an incredible problem for organizations and for learning and development? I mean, really, just think about it. Entire HR teams were confronted with this suddenly new reality that they needed to deal with multiple generations in the workforce. Oh no, as if they hadn't been doing that since, oh, I don't know, the Industrial Revolution? But somehow, this time was different, and it was bad, and it got ugly. Never had a generation been more vilified than the poor millennials. So what caused this sudden obsession with millennials? Who's to say for sure, but I have a theory. I think it was change. More change at a faster pace than we had ever seen before. Just look at what was happening in the world just as the leading millennials were coming of age. As if the internet wasn't a big enough deal in the 90s, it became something unstoppable when broadband internet was introduced just before the 2000s. Of course, it took a few years for that technology to really take hold, but it wasn't long after that the world as we know it, or at least how we interact with it, changed entirely. 2003, Wi-Fi hits 54 megabytes per second download speeds. February 2004, Facebook. February 2005, YouTube. March 2006, Twitter. Then the mother of them all, June 2007, the iPhone. In 2000, it took close to a day to download a movie online. Now, you can do it in under five minutes. Just as millennials were starting to leave college and enter the workforce, the world was being thrust into a massive state of change. And at the forefront of that change, the individuals most ready to embrace mobile tech and social media, the early adopters, if you will, were those darn millennials. They were so different, in fact, 
that we couldn't help ourselves. We quickly jumped down the rabbit hole of millennial bashing. And perhaps to our surprise, we now had a collection of new tools to do the bashing. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, blogs, and podcasts, all readily available to spread our notion about this problematic generation. And it's taken us nearly a decade to stop chasing the rabbit and come back up to reality. So what's all this got to do with L&D? Well, the millennial myth, if I can call it that, had everyone in rapture, except maybe the millennials, including our beloved L&D. Some of us were caught up under our own volition and others were pulled in by HR leaders and business executives who heard compelling speakers at conferences or whatnot. This could have been a tremendous opportunity for L&D if we had noticed it. Here was our chance to clearly articulate how people actually learn and put those best practices in place under the guise that it was to serve those millennials who were so important to businesses, but we didn't. Instead, we tried to take what we thought we knew about millennials and cram it into a training box. We tried to force our training onto social media because what do millennials do with all their spare time? Well, they hang out on social media, of course. We'll go to them, we thought, totally ignoring the fact that so little of what we do could possibly be delivered via social media and further ignoring the far more important fact that people go on social media to be social about things they're interested in, not to talk about health and safety training, unless you're an L&D person, of course. Next, it was the evolution of the YouTube explainer videos that got our attention. And we thought, aha, video, that must be the key. It doesn't even matter if the quality of the videos are any good. Just look at how many views this garbage video has. Just as long as it's video, millennials will like it. But we fail to acknowledge that the lure of explainer videos is driven by their just-in-time nature and that the content is usually immediately forgotten after it's been used because you no longer need it. You don't need to go to a course on or even remember how to change your email signature in Gmail because you can just watch it on YouTube anytime you want, which of course, is the point and is the lesson we should have taken from YouTube. It's an amazing performance support tool. Then we saw the stats on how much time millennials spend on their mobile devices and thought, mobile, that's what we need to do. If learning is available on their phones, they'll like it more. Except we didn't acknowledge that the stuff on their phones is really exciting and really well-designed by professional designers with huge budgets. And your course on email etiquette just doesn't cut it. Huh. What were we thinking? What should we have done instead? To me, the answer is simple. We should have doubled down on the learning strategies and practices that are supported by the scientific method. Does that mean that we couldn't or shouldn't use social media, mobile devices, or explainer videos for training? No, absolutely not. They all have a place within proven learning strategies. They can be used to enhance and improve what we already know, but they alone cannot improve the quality of learning. The strategies and practices that have been developed by L&D researchers through years and years of scientific inquiry should be the backbone of everything we do. That's the first lesson we need to take from the millennials case study. In times of rapid change and massive disruption, it's incredibly easy to be pulled away from what we know to be successful. But this, of all times, is the moment we most need to stay grounded. If you're an early adopter, a tester, an innovator, or disruptor, you may not love that message. And I get it. I was one of the first people at conferences talking about how to use escape rooms for learning. I love new ideas and finding unique, creative, and engaging ways to deliver training. But it always needs to come on the backbone of what we know to work. So is there anything that we can do to avoid a similar millennial mistake in the future? It's tough to say. Trends and buzzwords become those things because they're compelling. They make sense intuitively. They seem legitimate. And most of us don't have the time or gumption to dig into and scrutinize the studies that they're often based on. And that's not a critique. I'm in that category myself. 
but that's just the reality of how these things become prevalent. Certainly, one of the things we can do is be more skeptical of trends and buzz. Not skeptical in the sense that we don't believe it, but to exercise skepticism in a purposeful way. Look for evidence that the fad has a practical application and evidence of individuals in organizations that are having success with it. Something we should always be doing is exercising skepticism when the individual or company selling an idea has something to gain from it. There were lots of people perpetuating the millennial myth because they were selling something that helped overcome this invisible hurdle. Do the people selling the idea have something else for sale? That doesn't automatically mean that the idea is no longer valid. It just means that you need to go look down some other avenues. It's also worth looking at information that is shared through what I like to call the so what lens. This is great for statistics in particular. One of the millennial stats I've come across is that 48% of millennials say that word of mouth influences their product purchases more than TV ads. So what? What does that even mean? What's the average? Does this mean word of mouth is more important or less important to millennials? What about other influences like consumer reviews or social media advertising? This stat leaves us with a lot more questions than answers. But probably the most important thing that we can do is lean on the knowledge we have that isn't changing. Take evolution, for example. Humans have taken millions of years to evolve, and that includes the internal processes by which we learn. The internet, broadband, and social media have certainly not changed our evolutionary process that took millions of years to develop in a mere 20 years or less. And to be inclusive, if you're a creationist, well, it definitely hasn't happened because this design can't be changed. Did we do anything right with the millennials? Definitely. And it was the millennials that made us do it. We've known for a long time that drowning people in information is an ineffective way for them to learn. But prior to 2000, and still in many cases today, we lead multi-day training programs crammed with so much content an elephant couldn't remember it. And apparently, they never forget. Of course, that's also a myth, though. All of us in this new age, where we are bombarded with information, have become more discerning with information and more deliberate with the information that we consume. We have no choice. Could you imagine reading every word of every email you got in a day? When would you have time to check Instagram? Well, you wouldn't, of course. The millennials, who were the early adopters of social media, figured this out first. But the other generations have also figured it out. Even my uncle, who still gets a newspaper, has alerts from various news sites on his phone, so he gets alerted of the news stories that matter to him. As a result, our learners, particularly those pesky millennials who tend to be more willing to speak up, at least that's what the literature says, are asking for learning that is more concise and more relevant. That's not a bad idea. Some learning practitioners have reacted to this by cutting more and more nice-to-know information because discerning learners are more likely to ask why they need to know a certain piece of information rather than just accept it and move on. Of course, that's problematic for a trainer or e-learning developer, and it's tough to win an argument when your opening statement is, no, you don't really need to know that, but the training requisition said it needed to be this long, so I needed to fill the space. Taking this even further, as that nice-to-know information is being cut out, savvy L&D practitioners aren't trying to cram that space with different information. Instead, they're using it to create practice opportunities and to simply give the brain time to rest and assimilate new information. This is a win, hands down. Another consideration that millennials have pushed for is just-in-time training and or performance support. They want their training, as Bob Mosher and Con Godfrinson said in their brilliant book, Innovative Performance Support, closer to the moment of need. Sort of like those darn YouTube videos after all. All right, folks, let's wrap this up. Here is a rapid fire recap for your pleasure. We blew it when it comes to millennials. We overreacted to a fad, but luckily so did everybody else. So we didn't look that bad doing it. Some of the specific things we did were trying to use social media, mobile learning, and explainer videos in ways that weren't effective because in quotations, that's what millennials like. 
To avoid these sorts of shenanigans again in the future, we need to operate at a higher level of skepticism. Not the skepticism where we completely block out new ideas, but the kind where we look for evidence of success and not from someone selling something related to the fad. And finally, while we may have made a mess of the millennials case study, some good has come of it. Millennials have forced us to start using some of the learning strategies and practices we've known are effective for years, but generally have neglected, such as focusing on critical information delivered in smaller chunks, creating opportunities for practice and time for the brain to assimilate information, and developing performance support tools that deliver just-in-time training or support. What do you think? Do you agree that our obsession with millennials was a mistake, or is there important information I haven't included? Are there any other lessons we should glean from the millennials case study? Looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Put them in the comment section or email me at podcast at elearningalchemy.com. That's all for today, folks. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you'll listen again next week when we discuss what will be the next big thing to disrupt learning and development. Take care until then.